What do you think of when you hear the word loneliness? Today we're continuing our series called God's Answers to Life's Difficult Questions, and that's the topic we're going to tackle. How can we overcome our loneliness? This week, I googled the word loneliness, and in less than one second, I had over 50 million results, one of which was this definition from Wikipedia. It says, loneliness is a complex and usually unpleasant emotional response to isolation. Loneliness typically includes anxious feelings about a lack of connection with other human beings, both in the present and extending into the future. And while I was online, I found some rather thought-provoking quotations about loneliness. The first comes from Mother Teresa, and she says this, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. And this from an author named Norm Cousins. He says, the eternal quest of the individual human being is to shatter his loneliness. And finally, this quote from science fiction writer Kurt Vonnegut. What should young people do with their lives today? Obviously, many things. But the most daring thing is to create stable communities in which the terrible disease of loneliness can be cured. I also found some rather amusing tweets about loneliness that I wanted to share with you. The first one goes like this. Sometimes when I'm feeling lonely, I post something cryptic on Facebook and wait for my mom to call me. Here's another. If you are lonely, dim all the lights and put on a horror movie. After a while, it won't feel like you're alone anymore. And here's the last. Note to self. If you're in a room full of people and you still feel lonely, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just in the wrong room. Now today we're going to look at this topic of loneliness by examining some verses in a book called Second Timothy. Now the book was written to a young man named Timothy by a man named Paul, a follower of Jesus in the first century. He's often referred to as the Apostle Paul because the word apostle means one sent. So Jesus sends Paul on a mission, and that's why we call him the Apostle Paul. But we're going to look at some verses. If you're using one of the Bibles that we provided, it's going to be on page 965, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And here's the first question that I want us to consider. What causes loneliness? Now we're going to look at some verses in this chapter because the things that cause Paul to be lonely are the same things that cause us to be lonely too. And here's the first thing, transitions. Transitions in our lives cause loneliness. Now, Paul's been through a lot of transitions. Um, in fact, as he writes these words, he's in prison, and this is the last letter that he writes, the last letter in the Bible that he writes. And it's clear that Paul realizes that he's in the final chapter of his life because he writes this. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul is in the winter of his life, and he's feeling very lonely because this is a time of transition. Now, isn't that true for us, that during times of transition, we experience a special kind of loneliness? How many of you have ever moved to a new house in a new city? Did that make you lonely? Did you experience some loneliness because of that? What about this, a new job? You take a new job, you don't know anybody, you're not sure what they expect of you, there's a sense of loneliness that you feel. 
And that's true whenever we encounter a new season in life. Some of you have been through the experience of having your kids grow up and leave home, a.k.a. the empty nest. And I remember when uh, we were going through that experience, I was setting the, the table at, at night, and I realized, oh, I don't need as many plates anymore. And there's a sense of loneliness that you experience. Or maybe you've had this, this happen to you. Your, your kids grow up and they get married. And you realize, hey, there's somebody else in their life now, and so your relationship is now changing. It's different. And because of that, you may experience a certain kind of loneliness. Or maybe you're growing older, as we all are, and you're entering that winter of your life, and you seem to have fewer and fewer friends, and there's a sense of loneliness. So what causes loneliness? What's the first thing? You can tell me. Transitions. Here's the second thing. Separation. Now here's how the Apostle Paul continues as he's writing to Timothy. He says this, Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. You can almost hear the loneliness in Paul's heart. He's deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Now separation is a big cause of loneliness in our lives. People that we're used to being with, spending time with, people that we care about, are no longer present. Think about this, first day of school. Moms and dads, little kids. Is there a sense of separation and loneliness on that first day of school? Maybe it's the first day in the church nursery. There's a sense of separation and loneliness. Sometimes it's going away to summer camp. Or how about this? How many of you, when you went to college, first experience in college, felt some loneliness? I think that's so common because we're not used to the, the distance between us and people that we know and care about. There's the, the loneliness of a long-distance relationship. There's the loneliness that people experience in the military because they are separated from their friends and their family. And right now, this morning, there are people in prison. And there is a special and even profound kind of loneliness when you're in a prison cell. Realize that today, as we gather in this place, there are tens of thousands of Christians around the world that are battling loneliness because they're imprisoned for their faith. So... What are some causes of loneliness? We're going to say them together. What's the first one? Transitions. The second one is separation. And here's the third, opposition. Opposition. Paul faced opposition, and he says this to Timothy. He says, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You, Timothy, should be on your guard against him, and here's the reason, because he strongly opposed our message. When you find yourself in conflict with another person, when there is opposition, it can be a lonely world. Maybe that's something that you've experienced at work. You know, people that you work with are not on the same page. You've got a different perspective on a project or a certain way to do something. And because of that, there's this opposition that makes you feel, hey, I'm the only one. I'm feeling alone. And that also happens in marriages. Sometimes husbands and wives find themselves on opposite sides of a situation opposite sides of an issue, and because of that, they feel lonely. There are times in families where, where people have conflict, and they stop talking to each other for long periods of time, and that causes a profound loneliness. So again, some of the causes of loneliness, there's transitions and separation and opposition, and here's the, the final one, rejection. Rejection. Here's how this passage from the Bible continues, as Paul says in verse 16, at my first Defense. Now, Paul's talking about a court appearance. 
he's going to this hearing where he has to defend himself and he says, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Now, maybe you've had a time in your life where it was just hard. It was painful. It was challenging. And you thought the people that cared about you were going to show up and support you. And nobody came. And you felt really alone. Or maybe as a child growing up, you had a parent who walked out of your life, somebody who abandoned you, deserted you, and you're still trying to recover from that experience. And because of what you've experienced as a child, it's hard to trust people. It's hard to really believe that they're not going to let you down too. Listen, there are all kinds of things that cause loneliness. But here's a very, very important question to consider. Why does it hurt so much? Why does loneliness hurt so much? And here's the answer. Because we were created to experience a close connection with God and others. A close connection with God and others. Here's a verse from the very beginning of the Bible. This is Genesis chapter 1. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them Male and female, he created them. Being made in the image of God means that we were created for community. We are hardwired to be connected to God and to other people. And I wanted to do something that I did in the first service to really help us see this, this truth in a, in a powerful way. So I've got some chairs over here that I want to use because when you read the Bible you get this description of God. And God is described as one God, but he exists in how many persons? Okay, three persons. So there is God the Father. Okay, this chair represents God the Father. And uh, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, so Jesus' chair is going over here. Okay, so this chair represents who? This represents Jesus, and I need his help. <laughs> his help. Eddie, thank you. Okay, to open it up. And so who does this represent over here? This is God the Holy Spirit. Now, from all eternity, there was this community of three. Perfect union. Perfect relationships. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And at some point, God decided, let us make mankind in our image. And so I've got two more chairs over here. So who are these chairs going to represent? Yeah. Yeah, you know their names, don't you? So let's do this. Let's put, let's put Adam and Eve over here, okay? Because they probably want to be together. And actually, in the beginning, when God made Adam and Eve, they were together. Not just with each other. They were in perfect relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now this is like the community of five. And it was wonderful for a while. And we don't know at what point this happened, but there was a day when Adam and Eve decided to disobey God. They decided to go their own way. And what happened to this community? Yeah, it was broken, right? Now they're separate from God because they have sinned. They have gone their own way. But here's the reality. They're not just separate from God. Now they're separate from each other. And church, this is the fundamental problem with sin. It causes a separation between us and God that leads to, you can tell me, what does it lead to? It starts with an L. Loneliness. Good. Now, let me ask you this. When Adam and Eve disobey God, what do they do? Yes, they hide. They hide from God. Why do they hide from God? Because they're ashamed. 
They know that they've disobeyed God. They don't want God to see their disobedience. Now, here's another question. Um, how much money did Adam and Eve have in their monthly budget for clothes? Zero. They didn't need clothes. They didn't wear clothes. Why didn't they wear clothes? Well, because they were perfectly connected to each other. There were no barriers. They were completely exposed. Not just their bodies, but their souls were exposed to each other. So what happens when they sin? All of that changes. And now Adam and Eve don't just hide from God. They hide from each other. And now, because of their sin, they experience something they have never known before. Loneliness. This profound loneliness. And think about the experience that they went through. They had lived in the Garden of Eden for who knows how long. It was the only home they had ever known. And God says, you're leaving. They were forced to leave. They were evicted. And they used to walk with God and talk with God. But now God says, you're going to grow old and you're going to die. Because that's what I told you, Adam and Eve, that if you disobeyed me, you would die. And see, that's not just their story. That's our story, isn't it? God says the wages of sin is death. And, and here's what is so important for us to realize. This, this eternal separation from God, because see, God's holy and just and he has to punish our sins. This separation really is an eternal loneliness, isn't it? A separation from God and all that is good. And yet, I'm so thankful that's not the end of the story. Because if you read that passage in Genesis, God, before he drives Adam and Eve away from his presence out of the Garden of Eden, he gives him a promise. And he says, and I, and I paraphrase, a day is coming when a child will be born. It's called the seed of the woman. And this child is going to reverse the curse. This child is going to make it possible for our relationship to be restored. And who is that child? Jesus Christ. And if you fast forward to the pages of the New Testament, there is this dark night in this obscure village on the outskirts of the Roman Empire and this angel shows up and has a message for these terrified shepherds. I bring you good news of great joy which shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so this, this baby named Jesus the Christ grows up. And he starts preaching about this kingdom of God. And he calls people to follow him and enter into a different kind of life. And Jesus never sins. And because of that, he's uniquely qualified to complete his mission, which is to allow himself to be arrested and beaten and hung on a cross. And church, on the cross, God finds a final solution to our loneliness. I want to show you a, a verse of scripture. This is in the book of, of Matthew because it is so incredibly powerful. And it says this, about the crucifixion. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you see the incredible significance of those words? What's happening on the cross is that God is willing to take my sin and your sin and place that sin on Jesus so that he is punished instead of us. And for this moment in time, God the Father looks down on his son Jesus Christ and Jesus is covered with the sins of God's people and in that moment God turns away in that moment Jesus cries out my God my God addressing God the Father and God the Holy Spirit my God my God why have you forsaken me and Jesus dies alone all alone 
utterly abandoned, completely forsaken. And the question is, why would he go through that kind of excruciating experience? And here's the answer, so that we wouldn't have to. Because he loves us that much. And we know the rest of the story that Jesus rises from the dead and he offers us a new life, a life where we no longer have to experience what? Loneliness. Because now he's made a way for us to be connected to God and connected to each other. So how do you accept this life? Well, you have to come to Jesus and say, look, hey, I know I'm a sinner. I failed you in so many ways and I believe you died for me, for my sins, that you rose from the dead and I want to follow you. And when you do that, you enter into this new life with Jesus, a life where you can overcome your loneliness. There's a, a story in the Bible about a time that these religious leaders come to Jesus and they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to um, test him and trick him with a question. And the question is this, hey Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Now, what we need to understand is that there were 10 commandments that God gave to Moses but the Jewish leaders had expanded on those Ten Commandments. There were over 600 commandments now. So Jesus has a lot to choose from. And for the Jewish nation, this was their identity. The law of God, the law of Moses, set them apart as a nation. The other nations of the world didn't have this law of God. This was a precious resource. In fact, this law of God showed them how to live. It gave them purpose and meaning for their lives. So this is a critically important question when they say, Hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And how does Jesus answer? Because it's so profound. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And with these words, Jesus shows us why loneliness hurts so much. Because we were made to love God and made to love other people. And when we don't, what do we experience? Loneliness. Is that the right way? Is this? Okay. We experience loneliness. So here's the question, and this is on your outline. What can I do to overcome my loneliness? What are some practical things I can do? Well, here's the first. Come to Jesus and develop a friendship with him. Come to Jesus and develop a friendship with him. You know, in the Bible verses that we're looking at, you know, Paul shows up in court and everybody has deserted him but he knows that he's not alone because this is what he says and it's so powerful. But the Lord stood at my side. He gave me strength. Right there in that courtroom, nobody shows up. Paul says, okay. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. And listen, Christian, we need to take these words to heart. No matter what it looks like, remember this, when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are never alone. Because Jesus is by your side. One of the interesting things that, that happens in our lives is that God gives us opportunities to really take these truths and work them out in our experience. And I had an opportunity to take this truth that Jesus is always by my side and just see how much I believed it. Um, it was something that happened last year. And some of you know the story. I was um, on a flight to Africa. I was going to Nigeria to work with some people who were planning a church there. And the person I was traveling with is one of the pastors at Spanish River Church, Ron Tobias. We were sitting in different sections of the plane, and so when we landed in Amsterdam to catch our connecting flight, I couldn't find Ron anywhere. So I called him on his cell phone, and I finally got a hold of him, and he told me that he was in a clinic at the airport. 
And I said, well, man, I'm coming to the clinic. He goes, no, I'm going to be okay. I want you to get on the plane and go to Nigeria so you can work with our team. So I actually had to run through the airport to make it onto the flight. And I finally, you know, fall into my seat. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. I don't know anybody in Nigeria. In fact, I don't have any contact information on my phone for anybody in Nigeria. Ron has it on his phone. And just then he sends me a text message and it says, hey, Dudley, I just want to let you know, the person that was supposed to pick us up at the airport, they're not coming. <laughs> I'll try to, you know, get in touch with somebody else, and, and here's the deal. They'll be holding a little sign-up with your name on it, so look for that man. And so for 14 hours, I get to fly on this airplane thinking, what am I going to do when I get to Nigeria? And Jesus says, hey, it's okay. I'm right here by your side. And so we land in Lagos, which is like one of the 10 biggest cities in the world. And I've got to tell you, it was like an ant hill. There were so many people everywhere. And this is like 10 o'clock at night, and I'm standing in line to try to get through customs, and the power grid goes down. So I'm standing here in pitch darkness, but I'm not alone, because Jesus is by my side, and he can see in the dark, even though I can't. And when the lights come back on, I finally get through customs, and I'm looking at the exit of the airport. I'm about as far as those doors, and I'm thinking, man, I just hope I can find that guy holding up the sign with my name on it. And just about that time, this man in a military uniform does this. I'm thinking, oh, no, here we go again. <laughs> so he brings me to the corner of the airport, and there's a little table there, and he says, put your suitcase up there. So I put my suitcase up, and he says, here's the deal. Unless you pay me some money, you're never going to see the outside of the airport. And I'm thinking to myself, I know what's going on here. He thinks I'm alone. He doesn't see that Jesus is right here with me. And so it was kind of amusing in a way because I've been coached about what to do in these situations where people are asking for money and they threaten to detain you. So I just grabbed my suitcase and said, hey, have a nice day. <laughs> I headed for the door. And he didn't follow me. And so I got to the outside of the airport. And sure enough, there was a guy holding up a sign with two words that I was so happy to see. Dudley. Hodges. He was the person who was going to take me to my ride, and I just said, Jesus, thank you for teaching me that you are always by my side. And church, that's what Jesus wants you to know. No matter what happens, he is by your side, but to know that, I mean to really know it, you've got to come to Jesus again and again and develop your friendship with him. Take a look at these words something Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you what? I called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Now think about this. How does a friendship develop? You've got to get to know the other person. You share your heart with them and they share their heart with you. That's how it works with Jesus as well. So how can you learn about Jesus? Well, we have this book called the Bible. There are four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are essentially biographies of Jesus. And if you're a new believer, if you're new to the Christian faith, here's my suggestion. Start reading the book of John. It was written by Jesus' best friend. And you'll get a glimpse into the heart of Jesus. You'll get to know him better and better. And here's the deal. I reread the Gospels all the time because I want to deepen my friendship with Jesus. And that is so, so very important. And that brings us to another way that we can overcome loneliness. This is the second thing. Cultivate an awareness of God's presence. Cultivate an awareness of God's presence. Listen to this story. A burglar broke into a house one night. He shone his flashlight around looking for valuables. 
And when he picked up a CD player to place it in his sack, a strange disembodied voice echoed from the dark saying, Jesus is watching you. He nearly jumped out of his skin, clicked his flashlight off, and froze. Then he heard nothing more after a bit. He shook his head, promised himself a vacation after the next big score, then clicked the light back on and began searching for more valuables. Just as he pulled a stereo out so he could disconnect the wires, clear as a bell, he heard, Jesus is watching you. Totally rattled, he shone his light around frantically, looking for the source of the voice. Finally, in the corner of the room, his flashlight came to rest on a parrot. Did you say that? Yes, the parrot confessed, then squawked. I'm just trying to warn you. The burglar said, warn me, huh? Who do you think you are anyway? Moses, replied the bird. Moses, the burglar laughed. What kind of stupid people would name a parrot Moses? Bird promptly replied, same kind of people that would name their Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> now, there is, a, there is a point to that story. And the point is this. Is Jesus watching us all the time? Yes, he is, but he's not just watching. He's with us, and he's for us. And that's true of God the Father. God's not just watching us from a distance. Hope it works out down there. No, God is personally with us through his Holy Spirit. And God makes us an incredible promise, church. Look at these words. It says this, draw close to God, and God will draw close to you. Now, what's one of the ways that we can draw close to God? Well, simply by talking to God, by turning our heads and our hearts toward God. And look at this next verse. It says this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God wants us to talk to him all the time. And that connects us to the presence of God. Is God present in this room right now? Yes. And throughout the service... We stop and we pray. Why? To reconnect with God. And you can do that throughout your day. You can say these very short prayers. They're called breath prayers because you can say them in one breath. You say, God, thank you for being with me. God, I trust you. God, I need you. Those short prayers can connect you to the presence of God. And God makes another promise that as we seek him, we will find him. Look at this verse from Jeremiah. It says, when you get serious, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. Well, let me point out one final way to overcome loneliness. Connect with God's people. Connect with God's people. Now, this is really pretty interesting. When you look at these verses in 2 Timothy, you get to the end of the chapter, and there are these verses with all these strange-sounding names. And you think, well, what's up with that? Well, let's take a look. Are you ready? I'll put it on the screen here. This is uh, verses 19 through 21. And, and Paul's telling Timothy to greet certain people. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Tropimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you and so do Putin's, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. And you think, what's up with that? And often we just skip over those kinds of passages in the Bible. But you know what this tells me? But Paul intentionally connected with people. He knows their names. He knows their stories. And see, that's what we need to do in order to overcome loneliness. We need to connect with people. And particularly people in our church family. We need to get to know their names. 
And let me just say this on a practical note. You know, I really try to learn people's names, and one of the best ways that I remember names is by praying for people. But it happens to me all the time. You know, it happens in church, happens in other places. I just forget somebody's name. Don't be afraid to say, you know what, can you remind me of your name, please? <laughs> it's okay to do that. But really, church, we need to get to know each other's names. And we, get to need, we need to get to know each other's stories. And let me say this, as your pastor, you don't have to wait for a church program to get to know each other. You can just ask somebody to go to lunch with you. You can do that after church. Um, come to my house, let's go to a game. Let's go to the beach. There's all these ways that we can get connected to each other, and that is so important that we should make it a priority in our lives. I'd like to ask the worship team to head up to the stage as we wrap things up this morning. And let me say this, we live in a world full of lonely people. I was thinking this week about the proliferation of online dating sites. Evidence. They will live in a culture with many, many lonely people. What about social media? Right. Did you know the average number of Facebook friends that somebody has that's on Facebook? I do, because I've looked it up online. It's probably changed by now. It's 338 friends. Now, who do you think has more friends, men or women? Yeah, kind of a no-brainer, right? But here's the thing. I saw a survey that asked this question. Um, how, many of your <laughs> how many of your Facebook friends could you count on in a crisis? And the number is not 338. You know what the average response was? Four. Four friends, people I really could count on. Listen, if you need somebody to count on, a friend like that, my encouragement is this. Make Jesus your best friend because he will always be by your side. But in addition to that, get to know people in your church family. Form friendships with them because church, listen carefully. This is absolutely true. We need each other. We really need each other. And, and one, one final thought, this series of messages, you know, God's answers to life's difficult questions, there's a central theme that runs through that. And the theme is this, the answer to all of these questions is one thing. The ultimate answer is one thing, the gospel. The good news about Jesus. Think about loneliness. What's the ultimate answer to loneliness? Jesus, because Jesus enables us to connect with God and to connect with each other. And church, this is a message that people desperately need to hear. So I want to challenge you to do this. As you go through your day, wherever God has placed you, there are people around you who are really lonely. And you know why they're lonely? They're disconnected from God, and they're disconnected from God's people. So we have an incredible opportunity to point them to Jesus. You know, you can invite people to come to this place so they can hear about this new life that Jesus offers, and you can also do this. Be their friend. They matter to God, and they should matter to us so we can just say, hey, tell me your story. Um, you can ask people, how can I pray for you? You can help them in practical ways. You can connect with them. And church, as we do that, this is what will happen. God will bring healing. And God will bring hope. Because this is the truth. You are not alone.